Welcome back. It's time for another Out the Gate podcast, where I talk to people about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. And if you've been on the roads at all in the Bay Area over the past few years, you've definitely seen the transition to electric vehicles happening right before your eyes. In fact, today, I think there was a Tesla in front, behind, and next to me all at the same time. But a similar revolution is also picking up steam, or maybe I should say picking up electrons, aboard boats. Graham Balch is a huge proponent of electric propulsion on boats and is the managing broker at Green Yachts, a new outfit in San Rafael that's dedicated to selling, servicing, and promoting electric boats. In addition to joining me on this podcast, Graham recently connected with Kika and Dan of Sailing Uma fame. Together, they test-sailed a Solana 46 in Croatia. And like Dan and Kika do so well, they created a video of the experience, and I've put a link to that in the show notes. But before clicking away to watch that, enjoy this conversation with Graham. Here we go. My name is Graham Balch. I'm the managing broker for Green Yachts, a yacht brokerage dedicated to selling, advocating, and servicing electric boats. It is our hope that you see as many electric boats out on the water as you see Teslas. We are moving in that direction as a boating community, and uh, it's exciting to be part of. We will dive deeper into that, but I'd love to hear from you how you first got on the water, sailing, where did that love start? Well, I wish my first sail was on the San Francisco Bay, but it was actually on Lake Lanier in Georgia, where I grew up, where on most days, if I uh, puffed up my cheeks and blew really hard, I'm pretty sure I could make the boat go faster. <laughs> um, I, you know, I sailed a little bit as a kid, not much, but I refound it. Uh, with my wife because it was something that we really enjoyed on vacation for different reasons. He likes to be settled on vacation and I like an active vacation. And a sailboat really allows us to get both of those because you put all your things on the boat and you don't pack up and move, pack up and move to go see all these different places. And yet it's also a fun, active uh, adventure as well. So introduced it to our children and it's now a great family activity for us. Where was the first sailing vacation that you and your wife took? Do you remember that? We went to the British Virgin Islands. We, I think, still had a little bit of ways to go in our, our sailing um, uh, abilities. And we, you know, had the jib wrapped. Uh, around the forest a few times as a tropical storm rolled in. You know, and this is something every sailor's dealt with, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you really have to figure things out and learn and do it the right way by experience, just like every sailor has gone through. But it didn't deter you? No. And moving to the San Francisco Bay helped because the sailing here is incredible. You know, folks who, folks who grew up here... Uh, may not realize just how wonderful the sailing is because 
you can get every different type of wind and sailing experience and it all changes and it makes us all better sailors out here. When did you first sail on San Francisco Bay? When did you so we moved out here in 2014. Uh, we had had a boat on the Chesapeake uh, while we were living in Maryland. And Where, whereabouts in the Chesapeake? Is that it was uh, uh, it was north of Baltimore, out of the Middle Rivers Fork. Um, okay. And you know, there you pretty much get steady, you know, eight to fifteen knot winds uh, most days that you're out there which is nice and gentle, but it's a lot more fun out in the San Francisco Bay. Well, you asked me before we started recording why, why I'd started the podcast. And, and honestly, one of the reasons was I grew up sailing on the Chesapeake Bay and moved <laughs> out here to San Francisco and found the sailing just so incredibly different. Yes. To talk to people <laughs> who who had experienced it and learned more about it. So yeah, you know, you understand that difference. You know, it's funny, uh, Ben, when you, you know, when sailors out here, we go out the gate, you know, no matter if the waves are 10, 15 feet high. And, uh, you know, a five foot wave uh, uh, strikes fear into many an East Coast sailor. That say that said, yeah, I agree completely. But that said, some of the nastiest weather I faced has been in the Chesapeake. Those storms can come up quickly. Those summer storms, and boy, after batten down the hatches. Yes, the last time I was sailing in the Chesapeake, I had this nice, you know, uh, fifteen knot uh, broad reach sail going on, and then I hit twenty seconds of no wind, and then the rest of the way up the Chesapeake, I had thirty knots of headwind. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just quite a change. I mean, 30 knots is fun, but not so much when it's coming from the direction you're trying to go. No, not so much. Do you currently have a boat here in San Francisco or you obviously do a good amount of sailing through your work? So we, I do a lot of sailing through my work and we are waiting to um, get an electric boat after uh, some of the investment cost of green yachts goes down. Yeah, It's been quite a lot for my wife and I to start this and all of everything we are, we have, we're focused on getting green yachts off the ground and uh, introducing electric sailing to everybody. And then we will take part as soon as that eases up a bit for us. Well, let's talk about that because that's exciting. Where'd the inspiration come for starting it? And I'd love to hear also, after you talk about that, more about the business itself and what you're doing with the business. The inspiration is our oceans. Our oceans and our planet need humanity to do this. You know, I was talking with my brother and I said that I feel like humanity's on this freight train hurtling towards a wall and there's nothing that we are doing about it. He said, well, then do something about it. And growing up, I had, you know, when I was 15, I started a recycling program in my neighborhood. And at 16, I helped the Atlanta Journal and Constitution become the first paper in the nation to have a recycling logo and a message about recycling on it. Huh. And I was an environmental studies major at college. But, you know, I think throughout my 
career, I um, got distracted by an analytical ability and was in business. And I think it took my brother's comment to not remind me the importance of taking care of our planet and the environment, but to make sure that what I was doing professionally uh, helped achieve that goal. Hmm. 92% of global warming actually affects our oceans. And if we boaters are not helping to lead the efforts to reduce our uh, carbon dioxide and uh, you know, global warming emissions, then how can we uh, look at others and ask them to do it? Mm-hmm. I think we have this wonderful, amazing ocean we get to enjoy, and it's our responsibility and our privilege to help take care of it. Obviously, electric doesn't create emissions um, in use like a, a diesel engine does. And so that was the motivation. And as I first experienced an electric motor, I and everybody else who has uh, used an electric boat or an electric car realizes, wow, there's no fumes. And it's not making all this noise. I mean, think about all the times you've been on a sailboat where you've had to yell over the diesel engine. Or when you're out there sailing and you turn it off. Ah, oh, what a great feeling. Amazing feeling. And, and it made me ask the question when I got on electric sailboat, why on earth was I or other sailors waiting for that moment when we turn off the engine and we enjoy the sailing, enjoy being out on the water and the peace and quiet and serenity that, that nature gives us if we're not drowning it out with a diesel engine. When were you first on an electric sailboat, electric propulsion sailboat? So I think my first electric sailboat was in 2017. First electric boat was, I think, 2010, 2011. It's amazing how far electric propulsion on the water has come in, since then, and in cars too, but, but in the water. I sailed across the Atlantic Ocean in an electric sailboat this summer. And, you know, I arrived with 50% or more than 50% uh, charge in the battery bank because electric propulsion has come so far that it is viable even if you're sailing across the ocean. Now, the range is different. You know, with with a diesel tank, a diesel engine and a fuel tank, you basically have a set range and that's it. With electric propulsion, and specifically systems that have hydro regeneration, a process where the propeller can be spun by the water as you're sailing, and that spinning propeller puts energy back into the battery bank. Mm -hmm. So with electric propulsion, you can use your motor, and then through solar and hydro regeneration, put energy back in your battery bank. And, And so range in a electric boat isn't this one fixed object. It's more use it, put it back, use it, put it back. It's more fluid and dynamic. You know, one of the main things that one has to consider when doing that is the amount of energy your boat systems are using. So for the past 20 to 30 years or more, 
there hasn't been all that much emphasis placed on efficiency of boat systems because people had the diesel engine and so they just turned on the diesel engine and let the alternator repower the battery rather than feel a need for boat systems to be efficient. So I even know some of the major manufacturers that have a lot of boats all around the U.S. have taken the insulation out around the refrigerators because it reduces costs for them. And it's not something a boater notices at the dock when they buy a boat. But when you get an electric boat, if you have too high of an energy demand, you can set yourself up to fail. And it's important to, to measure your system output and to make choices on your boat that are efficient and set you up to succeed with electric propulsion so that when you are managing the balance between motoring and hydro regeneration, it's an easier balance because your systems aren't taxing uh, that equation. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. You know, you you are thinking as thinking about it as a whole system, mm-hmm. electrical system, because um, obviously, you know, in the past, the as we talked, as you mentioned, the alternator from the diesel engine is recharging the house bank, and that's then feeding the electronics. There's the same connection then between the the, the electric propulsion is not isolated. It's part of a, the larger system on a boat. Absolutely. And, and you know, if, if, if I were to uh, uh, pack for an RV camping trip and go backpacking, <laughs> I would set myself up to have a miserable trip and fail. Yeah. You know, if you want a microwave and energy intensive systems on your boat, then you can go electric with a marine generator, which is a DC generator, not an AC generator. And instead of being uh, on demand uh, for the loads being used by the AC system, a DC generator is actually very efficient and runs at a set RPM and just puts energy into the battery bank. And then that battery, energy is then available for systems as needed. So you don't actually have to run the generator all that much with an electric propulsion system and a DC generator. But still, if you have these energy intensive systems on board, you know, a boat with a marine generator is going to be better for you. And still, you're going to use a lot less fuel than a diesel engine would. But if you are careful about your systems, so for example, on the boats I sailed across the Atlantic this summer, yeah, which one had a, boats were uh, it was an Arcona 435 okay. and a Salona S380. And where are those built? Uh, the Arcona is built in Sweden and the Salona is built in Croatia. And the Arcona, for example, has a seawater cooled refrigerator, which is highly efficient. Yeah. And the Salona has so much uh, insulation around its uh, uh, refrigerator that it literally only used between one and one and a half amps of uh, current draw. And so it didn't tax the systems on the boat. And it's things like that that made it so that we were always ahead on our energy curves, no matter how far we were going. And you talked about regeneration. 
Um, mm -hmm. Was that the only power going back into the system? Or was no, we had solar power as well. Okay. But the hydro regeneration probably creates more energy for your average boater. You know, one of the challenges, so solar is great. Uh, it also is complicated on a boat because even, you know, the, the standing rigging, the shadow from the standing rigging can reduce the output of um, a group of uh, solar panels. So, you know, solar and wind are a little bit better on paper than they are in reality. It does take thinking about setting them up uh, wisely. And the more MPPTs, the better, so that you're isolating your panels into smaller and smaller groups rather than having big groups. So the shading has less impact. But the hydro regeneration, um, so there's a new system out by OceanVolt. Uh, in fact, the Arcona that we have in Annapolis has the very first production unit made by OceanVolt of their servoprop system. Unlike their past systems, which had a, a, a folding prop, it has a feathering prop and the blades tilt when you do hydro regeneration. And it's a much more efficient way of doing hydro regeneration. So at six knots, we were able to get uh, maybe four to 500 watts of uh, hydro regeneration per hour. At eight knots, we could get maybe 800 to 1,000 watts. 10 knots of boat speed, we were getting um, maybe 1.3 to 1.6 kilowatts per hour of energy back into the battery bank. What's amazing is that uh, Salona has just uh, launched hull number one of their newest model, and it's the first major manufacturer that I know of whose hull number one was electric. And it has two motors in it. So, it creates twice the hydro regeneration, and it is a game changer for so many reasons. So one, you're doubling your hydro regeneration, so it goes from one, you know, one hour of moating to every four or five hours of sailing to get that energy back, to being every two to three hours to get that energy back. Um, in addition to how easy it is to maneuver a sailboat in the marina with two motors, you know, one to port, one to starboard. And because the motor is so small, they go under the aft berths. And that's something that a diesel engine will never, ever be able to do. You don't have an engine room anymore. No, that's right. It, it opens up so much about boat design. Then how much space are the batteries taking up? Uh, well, it depends on how many batteries you want. But the batteries are uh, 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 stackable. Mm -hmm. So you can adjust, you can build racks for the batteries and think about different ways to use the space on the boat and the batteries help to facilitate that. So, you know, I, I think most boats, including ours, we have put them in the engine compartment or what we call at Green Yachts, the motor compartment, because that's what we've always been doing as boaters. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of room to think about where the batteries go as long as they're not too far away from the motors or the battery management system or the motor controllers. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yacht design must have changed when motors were first 
introduced engines were first introduced to boats and that's going to change again now that <laughs> there's not going to be the need for the under the companion way or under the cockpit engine room as is so often the case yes um the the uh the motor the twin motors so there are only two sailboats in the world that i know of under 50 monohull sailboats under 50 feet with twin electric motors uh, one is an Arcona 465 that uh, was delivered to a private uh, individual in the UK in September. And the other is the Salona S460 in Croatia that, um, that we just, I just test sailed a couple weeks ago. What is the voltage that, that these um, motors are running at and how does that impact the whole system that we were talking before? I mean... That's a good question. So the ABYC uh, American Boating and Yacht Council has come up with a uh, proposed standard for electric propulsion that in sailboats, it be under 50 volts. Okay. And that actually corresponds to uh, uh, a standard in Europe that a no boatyard has anybody who can work over 50, 50 volts without special cer certification. There is... I don't see any need to go above 50 volts in a sailboat. Uh, the ocean volt system is a 48 volt system. The um, electric yachts is a 48 volt system. Uh, uh, torpedoes, uh, they say it's a 48 volt system. It's actually 44 volts, uh, which makes it a little difficult to integrate with um, other boat systems. And the nice thing about a 48 volt system is you can use a DC to DC converter to step down to 24 volts or 12 volts, mm -hmm. uh, which is what a lot of the systems in your boat are. Though, what's interesting is we are working with manufacturers around the world to introduce mo more boat systems at the 48 volt standard. So Maxwell has a windlass um, that you're gonna see uh, uh, publicized pretty soon. Thermodynamica makes uh, an electric HVAC system that is at 48 volts. You can wire your uh, winches to be a 48 volt motor and connect it directly to the 48 volt bank battery. So I think what you're gonna see is many boat systems, particularly the energy, more energy intensive ones, uh, migrate to a 48 volt standard as electric propulsion in the water uh, grows. And you can wire those windlasses and those winches with much, much smaller gauge wire, which is also nice. That's exactly right. And if you think about, you know, the, for example, the bow thruster, which you won't need if you have twin electric motors, but let's just take the bow thruster. One of the problems is it used so much energy in a short period of time that you would actually lose, in some cases, um, use of the bow thruster until the uh, uh, battery uh, recharged a little bit. With voltage drop? Yes, exactly. And, and so right when you needed a bow thruster, because you only need the bow thruster when you're you know, having trouble in the marina, you, know, you have these big energy draws and it drops the voltage and you lose use of that system temporarily. On, on a bigger battery bank, that won't happen. Yeah, brings up an interesting question to me. Um, what is the battery chemistry for most of these I assume it's lithium since lithium provides much more stable voltage and I mean has so many good properties for 
e-propulsion. Uh, is that what, what these are, are running on? Sure. So all the um, batteries uh, are lithium ion, but there's different variations within lithium ion. Uh-huh. So uh, lithium ion uh, LiPO4 is the most common. It allows for the most uh, thermal throughput and would be the battery that uh, uh, like a, a powerboat or a, a boat with a uh, large you know, 25 kilowatt generator on it would need. There is also uh, lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, which can store the same amount of energy with 40% less weight. So I think that's a particularly good chemistry for sailors. There's also some experimentation with uh, lithium ion sulfur um, batteries. I don't have a lot of experience with those. Um, and I also think that you know, with Tesla's acquisition of Maxwell uh, and both their research and uh, Samsung's research and other manufacturers' research into solid state battery, I think you're gonna see uh, uh, battery technology advancing um, and, and that will help with uh, electrical propulsion on the water. One of the concerns that people have had in the past, and it's not as much of a concern now with new chemistries, is safety, right? Safety is based on two things. First of all, not making the battery at home yourself. There have been accidents, uh, like there was an accident down in San Diego, but it was with homemade batteries. Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge fan of DIY. You know, I've done, you know, I put the whole solar system in on my house, for example, but I'm not gonna build the batteries that are on my boat. Batteries, it's, it's not so much about the chemistry, it's about how smart the batteries are. A lot of batteries will be able to communicate out to the CAN bus system voltage and amps, but the information that's really needed that makes an electric propulsion and a, a system and a battery system on board a boat safe is the battery's ability to communicate out a state of charge differential between cells within the battery and within the various batteries in the battery group, as well as temperature. So the batteries used by ocean volt systems, uh, Valence and Cleantron, can communicate out that information. And so in the case of one battery having a different charge, state of charge than another battery, that's what starts to make one battery try to overcompensate for the other and start to heat up. Because these systems are measuring both state of charge differential as well as temperature, they are able to shut down the battery bank before, well before you start to run into any uh, uh, heat issues. It's, it's the intelligence of the battery that makes them safe. And all the systems that we put in boats have these smart batteries that can communicate the information required for the battery management system to shut them down preventatively if that's ever needed. Yeah. That, that's fascinating because, yeah, another guest who I had on recently was saying that's, that's the big difference. We're not dealing with dumb batteries anymore that are just simple chemistry. These mm -hmm. are 
highly complex the, with computers on board. And, uh, and that's really what's changing the game. It is. And, and, and that last bit of uh, communication of information, the temperature and the state of charge differential, most batteries haven't done that part yet. And that's the key to battery safety on a boat and in a car. I mean, the same thing is what's keeping Tesla batteries safe is measuring these things and, and uh, preventing problems. I mean, Tesla has a cooling system for its battery bank and the cooling system is activated by temperature sensors uh, in the batteries. And this is what's referred to as BMS, battery management systems. The battery management system is the uh, monitoring and management system that takes the information from these batteries and reacts to it, as well as communicating it to the motor controller. But, you know, th this sounds complicated, and it's, but it's not. Think about anybody who has an electric car knows that they do far less maintenance on their car than those who have a gas engine. The uh, uh, ocean volt system, this new servoprop system, did increase the amount of maintenance required per year, 60%, right? That's one of those statistics that uh, somebody's going to take out of context and quote me and say, ah, oh, you know, there's so much maintenance. Well, that 60% was because it went from 15 minutes a year of maintenance to 25 minutes a year of maintenance. <laughs> um, they don't require much maintenance. They operate efficiently and they keep operating and they last for over a hundred thousand hours well beyond the life of the boat i mean it's like anything new right it's uh people don't know about it and are wary about it when computers started creeping into cars people <laughs> second guess yeah it. now we can't imagine driving cars that didn't unlock at the push of a button but Ben, there's something you said earlier that you see a lot of Teslas, but you don't see electric boats. There are actually dozens of electric boats on the Bay or on, on the San Francisco Bay. And there are uh, hundreds in California. Yeah. And over a thousand boats in the US with electric propulsion systems. But you don't see it. Yeah. And you don't know it. But one of the things that we at Green Yachts believe is really important to the adoption of electric propulsion in, in the water is, is three things. And I'm gonna, one of them is relevant here, and that is getting a chance to try and feel an electric boat. And there is a, uh, a charter fleet in the Bay Area, you know, a sail club, that is actively looking for an electric boat in their fleet. And so if anybody listening to your podcast uh, wanted to help the electric revolution on the water here in the Bay Area, we'd love to talk to them about that opportunity if they'd be interested in putting an electric boat in a fleet. Because if people are using an electric boat, they are never gonna wanna go back. That's but not we have modern, to, modern sailing, is it? It is modern sailing. Modern sailing uh, is looking for a 41-foot electric boat in their fleet. And they've uh, asked folks, you know, if they'd be interested. Uh, so far, there has not been a buyer. Uh, so we're looking for a person who wants to help advance the electric revolution here in San Francisco by hopefully making money off of it but more importantly, 
helping people experience electric and uh, understand that they can do it and understand how much better it is. That would be um, fantastic. My wife and I were, were members of Modern. She took a bunch of classes there and we used to mm-hmm. use boats before we had our own boat out here. Um, they're up in Sausalito and yep. loved the outfit. And if there had been an electric uh, boat there, I would have jumped at the opportunity to take it out and try it. Well, we have one electric boat going to a charter fleet in Seattle, Washington at Anna Cortez Yacht Charter. And even before that boat has been announced, there are people who have been contacting Anna Cortez Yacht Charter asking about chartering that boat. So that brings me back to a question I was going to ask you before. Sure. I would love to hear how launching Green Yachts has gone, how it's grown since you launched it, and interest. I'm, I, I can only imagine that interest has been overwhelming. You know, we, I, I started this in um, late 2019 uh-huh. and really um, launched it, uh, you know, in terms of sales, March 1st of, of 2020. Yeah, bad timing, huh? Bad timing. What I've seen in the boat industry and, and others have seen is that there is a lot of interest in boating, but people tend to be seeking out what they know not having opportunities to learn about new innovation in, the, in, in, in any sector, but as well as in boating, because there's no boat shows. Yeah. And typically people go to boat shows and they learn about new products, new innovation, new offerings in the boat industry. And boaters have been absent that opportunity to learn for the past year. We've uh, spread the word through word of mouth. We actually have a um, major piece of publicity coming out in um, about 10 days. So anybody who follows uh, uh, a really nice couple uh, on, on an electric sailboat um, will start to hear about us. Um, but I'm going to let them uh, um, um, share their story. We have been getting really passionate people. When people contact us, they say, oh, this is a no-brainer. I'm so glad you're doing this. But those numbers are small because people haven't had a chance to learn about us yet. Um, And we're looking forward to helping more people learn about us and then allowing us to have conversations with them about what going electric for them looks like. Because the other two keys are being a good sailor, right? If you want to get an electric sailboat, um, I find that I became better as a sailor when I spent more time on electric sailboats. Why is that? Because the diesel engine is a bit of a crutch. And if you think about all the times you've gone out sailing, it may not be you, but maybe somebody you're sailing with if your boat speed is less than five knots, a lot of people turn the diesel engine on. They say, oh, well, I just got to get somewhere and, you know, I'm going to put the diesel engine on. In an electric sailboat, I have enough range to uh, make it all around the bay and back to port. But I don't have quite enough range on a one-time use to make it down to, I think, I actually, you know, I could probably make it down to Half Moon Bay, but I couldn't make it to Monterey Bay. So it forces you in a good way to sail. 
And I think the electric motor has caused me to not go to a crutch as quickly and to enjoy the sailing, not be in a rush to get somewhere by a certain time, but to enjoy the experience. That's why we're out there is to enjoy it. I certainly have become better at light wind sailing because of the electric motor. And I'd say the other thing about being successful in electric propulsion is not buying a boat based on how much volume it has at the dock and what it looks like at the dock. There are too many people buying boats and too many brokers pushing sailboats that don't sail well. California has a wonderful history of some great sailing boats. You know, the Cal 39, back in the day, the, the, the Catalina 38, performance cruisers. Today, I think a lot of sailboat manufacturers have gotten away from a sailboat that sails well. And because of that, it reinforces people using the diesel engine. It's, it's, it's this it's, you know, cycle of slower boats, more powerful diesel engines, people sailing less, losing their sailing skills, relying on the diesel engine more, and therefore boat manufacturers don't build boats that perform well because they know people rely on the diesel engine. I think electric propulsion is like kicking a, a, a drug addiction. It's an adjustment. But once you make it, you realize how much better things are. And I would never go back to diesel boats, just like I wouldn't go back to a gas car. At Green Yachts, you, you support conversions and installations of electric mm -hmm. on existing boats. And you do sales of new boats, as you're talking yes. about. Which do you see being where things are really going to take off? I think a lot of people who are having to repower the boats are saying, well, if we're going to repower, let's go electric. Yeah. You know, the challenge I see on the repowering is people undersize their battery bank. So if you were going to go out and take a trip down to San Diego by sailboat, and you set out with one gallon of gas in your boat, in your boat with a diesel engine, well, you'd probably complain about the range. If you put an undersized battery bank in your boat and think that's going to work, you're setting yourself up to not succeed. You know, I think that's been the biggest problem on the conversion side, that people have been skimping on the batteries because batteries are heavy or expensive. So I get it. Um, but there is not, I mean, the, the only real alternative, if you want a small battery bank, is to make sure that you have the sailing skills, including in all winds, and that you enjoy sailing, even if the wind isn't uh, consistent at the moment. And you don't necessarily have a schedule to keep. Right. So if you have to hit six knots, to reach a destination, it forces people to think, well, if I'm at five knots, then I, gotta, I have to turn on the diesel engine. Um, I think if you give yourself an hour more of time, you can sail instead of using the engine, but it also requires being in a good, well-designed sailboat. The Salona S460, we were doing uh, five knots of boat speed on a beam reach in four and a half knots of wind. 
I think most people listening to this podcast would say that they don't get that from their production boat. It really takes a boat that is meant to sail so that you spend more time sailing. And when you're using the electrical propulsion, it's more efficient. I hope it, it is clear that electric propulsion in boating is not just about switching out the diesel engine. It is about thinking differently. And it's wonderful, this different thinking, but, but it's not just switching out the diesel for an electric motor. It is about thinking about sailing, it's about boat design, it's about boat systems. I think it's really important for boaters to know taking care of our oceans is not just about going electric. There is so much that we can do to protect our oceans and make our boating experience better. An example is dolphin paint. So dolphin paint is a new eco-friendly bottom paint. And the idea of eco-friendly bottom paint understandably scares a lot of people because for years, uh, Econia has been used as a substitute for hard metals like copper because, you know, 70% of the hard metal pollution in the ports up and down the coast in the San Francisco Bay and, and the study has shown this in the San Diego port, 70% of the hard metal in our coastal waters is due to bottom paint being sloughed off from recreational boats. The uh, invasive species actually uh, uh, grow faster in waters where there's hard metals leached into the uh, ocean floor. So if we want to clean up our waters, not dump hard metals into it, and help thwart invasive species, we need to switch from using copper and hard metals on our bottom paint to using an environmental alternative. The problem is Econia, uh, which was a substitute copper, doesn't leach well out of the paint. And so you would have these eco-friendly bottom paints that were supposed to last two years, but they only lasted one. And they were a real disappointment. Dolphin paint takes a completely different strategy. So instead of being ablative, dolphin paint takes a slippery approach. It's a silicone-based paint that the growth can't stick to. You can use your fingers to wipe off the growth most of the time um, on the bottom of your boat. To clean it, you use a microfiber cloth, not a hard bristled brush. And, and not only is it, is it eco-friendly, but it's as fast as Black Widow or Micron 66 or other race paints because it's slippery. And so it inherently makes the boat faster. So for power boats, it reduces fuel consumption by 8%. For sailboats, uh, it makes the boat go approximately 8% faster. And Green Yachts guarantees uh, dolphin paint for three years, but it lasts longer. And if you are interested in learning about dolphin paint, please feel free to reach out to Green Yachts. We'd be happy to help. And if you want to get this put on your boat uh, and your boatyard doesn't uh, currently carry dolphin paint, just give us a call and we'll work with that boatyard to help them carry dolphin paint and get it on your boat. And that's one more thing that seems small. It, you know, we've been following this pattern as boaters of doing what we've always done, 
but there is a better alternative, not only for us as boaters making our boating experience better, but it helps protect our oceans as well. And, and I think it's important that boaters know that it's not just about going electric, that things that we can do to protect our oceans, it's using eco-friendly bottom paint. It's about things like maybe using hemp instead of fiberglass. The sails on the uh, Salona S460 are recyclable. There's so much that we can do that is good for our planet and makes boating a better experience. And if anybody out there listening has ideas they want to share with us, you know, we're always learning as well at, at Green Yachts as well. We love learning about all the new technologies that are out there and not just seeing how they impact our planet, but how they can make boating a better experience. Because who doesn't want to go faster because they've got a slippery bottom paint as well as stop hard metals from uh, leaching into our, our uh, San Francisco Bay? Sounds like a win-win. I'm curious about this dolphin paint. And then, <laughs> I would love to never get suited up again to uh, <laughs> hand with paint off the bottom of my boat. You know, it, it's like, it's. That. You know, it's the, the transition to dolphin paint is a little bit like the transition from diesel electric, right? It, it's, it's an adjustment. So you can't put a slippery paint on top of an ablative paint. So the first time you have to go down to the gel coat or the epoxy or, or whatever it is, you just can't have a blade of paint on your boat and put a, a, a permanent paint, a slippery paint on top of it. You know, I think one of the challenges is we are asking boaters have short-term pain for long-term gain because over the you know, eight-year time period, when you paint your bottom less and you're cleaning it less and you're using less fuel if it's a powerboat, you actually save thousands of dollars even though it's more expensive to put on the first time um, as you sandblast your boat down to the gel coat. You know, one of the things that you've, you've said is why aren't there more electric boats? And I think there are more than you realize, but also one of the big differences between cars and boats is that there is a federal and state tax incentive for electric cars. Mm. Right now, the state of Washington is the only state that has uh, incentive for electric boats. That's really interesting. And if there are any legislators in California listening to your podcast, and I hope they all are, we would love to work with the California Assembly to create a tax exemption for electric boats um, that helps do to uh, electric boating what these incentives have done for electric cars. Hey, Graham, this has been, uh, I've learned a hell of a lot and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, uh, share about electric propulsion with everybody out there. You know, we just want to help spread the word and we're very grateful that you're helping to make that possible. All right, that's it for this episode. You can find Green Yachts online at greenyachtsales.com. That's S-A-L-E-S, not S-A-I-L-S, greenyachtsales.com. And to find that Sailing Uma video that I mentioned at the top of the show and Graham alluded to in the interview, go to YouTube and search the Almost Perfect Electric Sailboat. But I'll put links to both of those in the show notes so you can easily find them. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always leave a comment in 
Apple Podcasts, or shoot me a message at outthegatesailing at gmail.com. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. Until next time, smooth sailing.